0: A WBZ original. I know that a ground squirrel, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, tree squirrels, one of them fully hibernates and one of them just partially hibernates. Oh, and and you went you... to
1: Harvard? for do <laughs> <know. laughs> Hi, everybody. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're back here in Studio BZ with season four, episode nine. Today, it is just... Liam Martin two of us. and myself Jeez. and our producer Jonathan and our social media maven yeah. Ali Dodek so really it's not here. just us we're missing John Keller John Keller's off he's off today uh,
0: but he'll be back he will he will be back we're wishing him well we do we have a bunch of topics to get to this week Why is Boston traffic so terrible? Uh, More cars on the road, of course, but there's a lot more to this. In fact, the Boston Globe Spotlight team dug into this issue for a series that came out last week in the Globe. And we had one of the lead reporters on the series onto our show to talk about uh, their series, Seeing Red, What really is behind the congestion that we're seeing and the problems with the MBTA? We really dug into some unusual, uh, maybe counterintuitive reasons for what we're seeing.
1: So we'll go over that interview and what's in the new education law. We have an expert from the Education Trust to talk about that. It is historic. It's very important. Everybody should know.
0: And then we are going to talk because tis the season of gift-giving anxiety. I know Paula has been just beside herself thinking about what (laughs) To get me,
1: been planning and I, as since I always last just December twenty sixth.
0: Your presence is a present <laughs> enough. <And>
1: That's <laughs> Enjoy every every moment is yes. a gift. That's why we call it the present.
0: Exactly. And so we're gonna talk about gift giving anxiety. We'll have uh, uh, a little bit too on one gift in that particular. A particular husband has given to our particular wife. Uh, it involves a stationary bike. You might have seen some of this trending on social media. We're going to dig into that we'll as well. we talk about that.
1: We all know traffic in Boston is uh, indescribable at this mm. point. We oh, yeah. used to say bumper to bumper when we were growing up. Mm. Now it is indescribable.
0: Yeah, to, bumper to bumper, exactly. Uh, we... Uh, dug into this with the Boston Globe Spotlight team's Andrew Ryan. They did a big series called Seeing Red about why our traffic is so bad, what's going on with the MBTA, how ride-sharing factors into all of this. And the first question that I asked him in the interview was, how did he get to our station to do the interview? And uh, Jonathan here has a shout out to the 86 bus. Because that was one of the buses that Andrew Ryan took together. Why do you have yeah. a Why do you have a shut? Oh, you take it all the time. Yeah. And it's a good one? Uh, is there a good one? It's
2: it's an excellent route for my purposes. Yeah, I used but- to
1: have great luck with the express buses that left like Federal Street downtown Boston and just yeah. would go straight out to Watertown Square or wherever Newton right. and I happen to be living. Those work pretty well if you're not sitting in traffic. <laughs> if you're not the sitting bus, in traffic.
0: The bus today is is awesome.
1: Really? Yeah. Brand new
0: buses, they're clean, they're 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 like luxury liners. Yeah, but they don't
3: come often
0: enough. Right. Oh, they they don't come often enough and that's the same thing with uh, the train cars, the train cars are getting new, but obviously there's still derailments, still lots of issues. We dug into all of this with the Glo- the Globes, Andrew Ryan.
3: Each day hundreds of thousands of people pour into the one foot mile downtown. Mile downtown. Uh,
0: I should start by asking you how you got to this interview today. Uh, so
3: <laughs> that,
2: that's a very good question. So I took the red line to Harvard Square, and then I took the 86 bus across.
0: And where did that that drop you right near? We're on Soldiers Field Road for anybody who doesn't know where. WWE so it is. actually drops you off uh, on, on the backside. So I kind of wandered. And right I should there. say you were on time. You were on time for this interview. I was, though <laughs> I, I gave myself some wiggle room. <laughs> you were praying along the way. Yes. Why is our traffic so bad? Our traffic
2: is so bad, I mean, it's gotten much worse because when you look at the numbers, it's clear. I mean, there's 300,000 more uh, cars and trucks registered in Greater Boston than there were just five years ago. Mm. Uh, I mean, part of this is a good thing, right? The economy is is revving higher. There's more jobs concentrating in the urban core. So what that means is there's more people trying to get to the same places to go to work. Uh, The census found that in the last five years alone, there are 59,000 more people
0: driving to work by themselves. Wow. What's going on with our political leadership how does that play into this and sort of a car first mentality that we seem to have here in Boston and probably across the United States correct yeah this is not this is certainly not
2: limited to us anywhere this is an urban problem everywhere as cities are becoming more and more popular i mean what you know what we found is that there's a lot of inertia that favors the car since the dawn of the automobile since basically the dawn of the automobile era going back to the 50s um, and in Massachusetts certainly that uh, there's a lot of perks of office that that Skew towards the car. Mm. Um, you know, lawmakers on Beacon Hill have essentially free parking. Uh, you know, you can use your political account to, to lease cars. Not everybody does, but some do. Mm. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot more of our elected officials are, you know, driving to work than necessarily taking the tea. Um, and I think that uh, that probably is more of a symbol more than anything. But At the end of the day, making big changes on this is hard because the status quo is pretty powerful and people don't want to, you know, people don't want to pay more. They don't want to. People generally are afraid of change. And so
0: politics is often rewarded by the status quo. I think so many people, when they're sitting in traffic, they say, well, it's it's probably because public transportation is so bad. In your investigation, what did you find about the role of how bad the MBTA is and why that drives people into their cars.
2: No question. That is, that is a huge part of this. And when you, when you look at the data, uh, the commuter rail uh, ridership has gone up, but both subway and bus ridership has gone down. I mean, we all remember the red line derailment earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, part of it is a PR problem, but there's also a part of it that you can't get here from there. Um, and the two things really need to work together.
0: What about ride-sharing? Because I think a lot of people intuitively would believe ride-sharing would help. Because you're sharing a ride, and yet the data shows no. This adds to the problem of traffic. How does that happen? There's
2: no question. I mean, we actually today's story uh, that uh, was written by Nicole Dunka, one of my colleagues. Um, I mean, we looked at what we call the convenience culture that, that we have so much now at the tip of our fingertips because of smartphones. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Uber and Lyft rides, whether that is you know Amazon packages or you know meals through DoorDash, but that adds a ton of congestion. Um, and, you know, we found that, like, for example, we found that the most ticketed vehicle in, in the city of Boston in the last four years was a UPS truck that had over 1,500 tickets. We spent a day following that truck. And over the course of a seven-hour shift, it was parked illegally five hours. Wow. And,
0: of course, every time it's parked illegally, cars can't get through that
2: part. Correct. I mean, it could be slowing traffic, it could be blocking traffic, but it's just, uh, and the, t- the, the parking tickets are just part of the cost of doing business because everybody wants everything Right away. And it's something that obviously we're all guilty of. We all, I mean, instant gratification is a very powerful thing.
0: As part of this series, did you look at what this does to our economy as a result? Uh, yes, there's no question. I mean, like
2: our, our economy is, a, is a very in a very good place right now, obviously. There's a question of whether we've reached the tipping point yet um, and what economic impact it's having. I mean, right now, things are still heading in the right direction. The question is, at what point do people get fed up? Do people start to leave? Uh, there was a, a survey of, by Mass Biotech that found that 60% of people in that very important industry would be willing to take another job for better commute. Mm.
0: That's a pretty big number. Move to another city, potentially. Correct. You, as part of the series, looked at some solutions that other cities, even some foreign cities, have tried to handle this issue. What did you find with that, and what are some solutions that maybe we can apply here? Correct. So we
2: we did a lot of travel for this series. We looked at things in in London and Stockholm and outside Washington, D.C., and 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 even in Arizona. Um, I mean, so on the more aggressive side, places like London and Stockholm, uh, more than a decade ago, they... Uh, started what they call, you know, congestion pricing, where they actually charge people to charge people to drive into kind of the urban core uh, during the workday, um, and other places. I mean, there's there's a lot of different variations of this. New York has approved it, and it's supposed to go into effect soon. What London found, they put it in, in place in 2003, and there was an immediate drop in traffic. And so then they took that extra road space and they added bike lanes, they added more bus lanes, and they created more space for people. Um, You know, they're like everywhere. They have certainly have had challenges as, you know, things like Uber and Amazon have, which didn't exist back in 2003. Um, What's clear is that there isn't a silver bullet solution, that there's got to be a lot of different things done all at once. But there are things that are being done, both large and small,
0: that are having an impact in places. Congestion pricing is controversial just by its nature. You're charging people to come into the city. Has Boston looked into that seriously in any way? There
2: hasn't really been a serious look, no. Um, And congestion pricing can mean many different things. Uh, It can mean, uh, you know, just more tolls. It could mean charging people higher rates during peak rush hour. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of smaller versions of it that a lot of cities, even in this country,
0: do. Andrew Ryan with the Boston Globe Spotlight team. The series is called Seeing Red. You can find it now on the Boston Globe website. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely happy to be here. TV, New
2: England's original TV station. Remember, New England.
0: Governor Charlie Baker just signed a landmark education bill in Massachusetts, one that rewrites the education funding formula in the state. For starters, it requires Massachusetts to spend another $1.5 billion a year on public education. And joining us now to discuss it is Natasha Ushamirsky from the Education Trust, which is part of the Massachusetts Education Equity Partnership. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let's just start by you. You actually worked on this new law. It is now a law. What exactly does it do?
3: So uh, this law does a couple of really important things. On the one hand, it, uh, as you said, increases investment in our public schools and districts by $1.5 billion and really targets that funding to our highest-need districts and schools. Uh, That's absolutely critical when we consider that in our state a lot of our highest-need districts have for years been operating on thousands of dollars less per child Mm. uh, than their wealthier counterparts. But it also acknowledges that it's not just how much money we spend that matters, but how that money gets used. And so the law requires every district to work with their parents and families and with their school community to put together a plan for how it's going to use those resources to address disparities in opportunity and achievement. And it also says that in putting that plan together, uh, the district has to select strategies that are based in evidence of what works for students.
0: We have a persistent achievement Gap in Massachusetts and across the country as well. Low income minority students have been left behind. White wealthier students in Massachusetts perform very well. How does this law address that specifically?
3: So this new law does a couple of things. It provides additional resources, which are really important for districts to be able to provide students with the programming and the supports they need to get the kinds of opportunities that are, frankly, often taken for granted in our suburbs. Um, And importantly, it requires districts to put together a plan for how they're going to use those resources. And in choosing how to use the resources, districts have to consider evidence and research on what works for students. Um, We know that there are a lot of uh, sort of programs and interviews interventions out there that research tells us can make a really big difference for students. We know that, for example, guidance counseling matters. We know that there are approaches to school discipline that can help create a more supportive learning environment for students. We know that there are instructional interventions that can make a big difference. For example, research-based approaches to teaching kids to read. Um, We know that there are places that have used things like acceleration academies, summertime and vacation time, sort of moments seizing that time to help students who are behind catch up. Um, Opening access to advanced courses is another thing that has been proven to provide extra extra learning opportunities for kids. So any of those things would be the types of of things that districts could think about doing. Um, And again, they are required under the law to work with parents uh, and families and with their school community and figuring out which of those, uh, those types of interventions are the best fit for their district.
0: How does it hold districts accountable? I think We've seen over the years that in some districts, kids just routinely are not performing well. How does this new law hold districts accountable?
3: Absolutely. Well, as I said, the, the really important thing about this law is that it's not just, it acknowledges that this isn't just an issue of how much money we're spending. It's about how that money is used. Mm-hmm. And so the law has a number of provisions to uh, prompt action on behalf of students, especially students that have been underserved in our state for so long. Um the law requires districts to put together a plan for what, how they're going to use these resources to address disparities in achievement. That plan has to have specific goals and progress targets for, uh, to, uh, to make sure that we're actually making progress for students. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also gives the Department of Education important authority to review state plans and to ask for amendments when things aren't working.
0: There was an education commission in 2015 that found the state is also underfunding special education programs. Does that get addressed in this new law?
3: Yeah, it gets addressed in a couple of different ways. It uh, gets addressed as part of the formula. It also gets addressed through, some, through a separate fund that's there to help support districts that have especially large numbers of uh, students with disabilities.
0: Charter schools are a hot-button issue in Massachusetts. Absolutely. Voters in 2016 rejected an effort to expand the number of them. And part of the reason for that opposition is that schools sometimes are not fully reimbursed when a student leaves the traditional public school and goes to the charter school. Does that get addressed here? Are we going to start fully reimbursing the schools? It
3: does. So it, there is a provision in the law uh, that basically says that uh districts will receive reimbursement at 100% of the the amount that they're paying for students to attend a charter school in the first year, and then a little bit less the year after, and a little bit less the year after that. And um, in doing that, the lawmakers also kind of have committed to making sure that those provisions are fully funded.
0: What are some of the districts' For people watching out there that are going to see the biggest difference right away as a result of this new law,
3: absolutely. So uh, again, another really important aspect of this law is that it does direct the resources to districts that really need those resources the most. So districts that have the highest percentages of low-income students um, are, and that have less sort of property wealth, less ability to raise the money locally um, to fund education, are the ones that stand to benefit the most. Places like Worcester and Springfield. New Bedford, Brockton, Lynn, um, et cetera. So we don't have the exact numbers uh, just yet, right. but uh, those are sort of the kinds of districts that are likely to see the biggest increases. I'm
0: sure viewers in those communities will be happy to hear that. Natasha Ushamarski with the Education Trust. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your work on the bill as well. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you. The newest the newest camera camera
1: Here's the issue of the year: gift giving anxiety. Yeah, do you find it stressful, or is it just me because I'm the mother, mm-hmm. and so I'm kind of doing the tree and the cooking, and the, I have a very oh, helpful what husband. What are you saying? I have a very, yeah. very helpful right. husband yeah. who does so much. Yeah, Bill is born a lot of ways. is a me. real man. Oh, he is yeah. the best. Does shop all kinds of things, and my kids are not small anymore. But I do remember the stress of having you know, four children under the age of 10 mm-hmm. and you're doing normal life and you're trying to make the magic of the season <laughs> for <laughs> these children. Yeah, you're and basically you're Santa's working. elf for like you're a Santa's month. Elf, and you're Santa's yeah. elf pre- and then having to shop and buy gifts for your family at large and on you, top of and it. And Paula
0: has, and this is a true statistic, 568 family
1: members. This is true. Um, so it gets to me. First of all, I find that the time thought, Gives people anxiety. Clearly, the money gives people anxiety. But then some people really get bogged down into, you know, does somebody really need this candle? You know, (laughs) that I'm wrapping to give them, just to give them something. But then gift cards get a bad name because Mm -hmm. people think it's lazy. Where are you on this?
0: Oh, on the gift cards, the you know, whole, I am no,
1: no. The whole gift giving anxiety,
0: pro gift cards.
1: Yes, the whole gift giving anxiety. I love anxiety getting a gift thing. card.
0: That's yeah. like now, that's free money, and I get to use that however I want right. at that store. Yeah, and but is it
1: insane that we're all running around just buying gift cards for each other? Or is it good to just get together with your family members, say, hey, I remembered you. No, I remember one of
0: the first things that I read in the Bible was Jesus (laughs) saying
1: gift cards,
0: you know, thou shalt give gift cards on the birth. And on the eighth uh, day. uh, On, you know, the anniversary of my birth. Uh, No, I I think, yeah, it's Mm. crazy. We've Mm. become insane about this. There was just a bankrate.com survey done. CNBC has an article about this. 45% of Americans feel compelled to go beyond their comfort zones, we're talking Mm. financially, Mm. when buying holiday gifts. And parents reported feeling more gift-giving stress, 54%, Hmm. feeling the need to keep up with the Joneses versus 42% of non-parents. That makes sense to me, as you were saying. And I've got the same thing now with my kids where... You know, I know that my daughter wants these certain things. My boy's only two. He, you know, he doesn't really know yet uh, exactly what he wants. But there's that whole part of it. Now, I think
1: a lot of this stuff comes from your mother, let's be honest. Well, your parents in general. Did your parents have a philosophy about this or a style when it came to holiday gift giving?
0: Over the top.
1: Oh, they were lavishing. Over the top.
0: Yes. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> this is going to get into some like well, you don't have to but just in general psychology they
1: really it. got into it.
0: They really got into, okay, really Jonathan, got into it. Okay, <laughs> Jonathan so I, I I grew up lower middle class in a very wealthy town and I think I I don't want to necessarily uh you know ascribe motives to my mom but I think she felt a certain pressure mm-hmm. to deliver what the other kids' parents sure. were going to be delivering. Right. And so we woke up on Christmas morning to Santa, a Santa explosion in our mm. house. And mm. my dad on the other side, he was the one that would like go outside of the window at night and, you know, ring the jingle bells to make right. us believe right. that Santa was there. And so they they really, really got into the season. Yeah. Probably more than they should have. And we have now totally in turn done the same thing. Where so we go
1: you do the same thing.
0: Way over the top with now, how many see, gifts we get.
1: And I'm the opposite. My mother, again, you've mentioned this before, I'm the 11th child. So I'm sure because of sheer numbers combined with a lot of other factors. You would get a vial
0: of penicillin.
1: Exactly. (laughs) My mother, but I was the baby, right? So this whole older couple of generations of kids had had wild Christmases of the 50s and 60s that I was not a part of. So by the, um, the sort of, you know... Agonizing reappraisal of the mid-seventies. My mother's (laughs) inner hippie kind of came out and she was a staunch opponent of minimalist materialism. She thought it was wrong that people promoted materialism at the Mm. holidays. That was not the reason for the season. Yes. We see the signs and we should keep the focus. Uh, in a Catholic home on Christmas, obviously, for what it is. right? So when we would give gifts to each other, she would encourage my sisters to just buy my brother, oh, just get him a pair of tube socks. (laughs) Like, that's all that matters. You're just showing someone you love them, but it doesn't need to be expensive. I, as a result...
0: You went the other way.
1: My house looks like an elf exploded yes, all over it. Right. I decorated to the nines <laughs> for the kids. I would have to say, we didn't go over the top with the gifts. We, right. You know, no. but um, I really got into the holidays because she was sort of a minimalist mm. when now, it came to that. Now, with Bill,
0: your husband, yes, uh, that's a whole different ball game. the spousal gift giving. Oh, we, Do you now tell each other, because with Leah, my yes. wife, and I, it's just full on, I want this oh, for Christmas. Yes. Either like, like let's not get
1: anything at all. Oh, it's or not getting anything at all? It's, it's either that or, yeah, let's, you know, we're going on a vacation together or, mm-hmm. but we always get each other some do you so things. Do you
0: generally know but focus ahead of time what you're going to get?
1: No, sometimes, you no, know, he's a very good gift giver. I'm not She's, a great gift giver, but he's... Because,
0: because Leah, for instance, this, you know, just, I, I want this this year.
1: Yeah, I'll mention, I, you know...
0: Right, and I, and she goes, now what do you want for Christmas? Yeah, and then I think, yeah. well, well, then why am I not just... Getting this for myself,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right? Right, right.
0: You don't have to get it, and, put and it then and then there's that whole bed. phase of
1: life where you see it's important for the children to see that mom and dad are thinking about each other and oh, getting sure. each other something, right. and they're so into it. When you're surprised, <laughs> yeah. I see, see my levels of anxiety uh, of yes, all the different deep. things, the emotional notes yeah. I need. To yeah, hit. you're
0: like, yes, you're right. I'm trying put a lot to of create pressure in myself. that perfect Christmas morning yes. where the kids, you know, I, I yes. get what you're saying. The whole thing too. Now, have you noticed this? It the, the Christmas pajamas now everyone oh, has to now have the matching, be matching Christmas pajamas. Now we have pajamas. to look like
1: a J Crew ad.
0: This, by the way, for and I will say, uh, we have started doing this. It, and, you, not, and you look and adorable. Me, I mean my wife uh, <laughs> has gotten matching Christmas pajamas for the whole family, the four of us, every year now for the last few years.
1: I'm like, mm. Jonathan is so ill. <laughs> Jonathan, at the thought of us. Uh, well, yeah. And yeah. so
0: then it was funny though because she got them. What's the what's now this very popular. Uh, pajama Pajamagram company Pajamagram? no it's not pajama gram it's a it's a company and they do christmas pajamas oh, really? and everyone gets them from the same I place gotta find out. so yeah. last year we... We, and you, as you know, I don't even wear pajamas.
1: Oh, I, geez, I That's pajamas.
0: a whole other uh, conversation. No, not, well, we're not talking about that specifically, but I don't, you I don't. You can't go
1: commando on this well, morning in front of your kids. Uh,
0: well, okay. Uh, I don't, I generally, what I'm saying is I get up and I get into my clothes for the day. I don't get right. into pajamas See,
1: kids first. roll down <clears throat> with their hair, like sticking right. out of their heads and sweatpants. And I think Christian it's, I think it's. Anderson. Kristen oh, Anderson. Oh, yes. Whatever. Cri- yes, I, that I, I can't Kylie. think of the name of it. I think it's a mother's attempt to uh, uniformly gather the family for precious pictures where yes. everybody doesn't look like, you know, they just rolled out of bed. Right. And it's it's all for,
0: days. yeah, for, for social media. But sure. uh, but what's crazy about it is so last year we have all this these ridiculous Christmas pajamas. And then <laughs> Taylor Swift's video for Lover came out. Yeah. Do you remember that this happened? Yes. And in the video, she and her husband and their kid at the end of the video come down Christmas morning to the presents. They had those pajamas on.
1: (laughs) The very ones. They had the
0: pajamas on that (laughs) that I wore the year before, begrudgingly.
1: Oh, see, you're a fantasy husband. Yes. In your fantasy In more pajamas. Ways than yes, <laughs> it is funny. Yes. It is. It is funny when you think about it. Like my parents were children of the Depression. And I know. The thought of this, they would have would just make been horrified. Them howl with laughter. Yeah. Oh my god! The thought that anyone would even care what the <laughs> right. Christmas morning pictures yeah. look like. Um, we have been. Noticing on Twitter the explosion yesterday over this whole Peloton ad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Peloton has taken off. People do love it. I know a lot of people have lost a lot of weight. They love attending the classes, but their advertising does tend toward the grandiose. Everyone is always pictured on their Peloton in some either exotic locale or very expensive home. Or apartment it's that outrageous. no young person could possibly afford and afford the Peloton. Um, and now this Twitter ad that that went around the world yesterday <laughs> for, Peloton. for Peloton was of a young woman saying how excited and grateful she was because her husband had bought her one the previous Christmas mm-hmm. and it had changed her life.
0: Rising with the sun. That was totally
1: worth it. <laughs> Let's go, Grace. in Boston, 50 rides. She just <laughs> said my name. A year
0: ago, I didn't realize how much this would change me. Thank you. This holiday, give the gift of Peloton.
1: Gentlemen, do not buy your wife a piece of <laughs> exercise equipment or an appliance yeah. unless she specifically asks for it. I mean, I I think that's a pretty dangerous message to Well,
0: send. So is it a problem then that I got my wife, Jenny Craig,
1: <laughs> a subscription?
0: <laughs> I got her a subscription. Well, you guys seem horrified
1: the i think the peloton people are up there with do you know anyone or have you ever heard of anyone walking out into their driveway where their husband or wife has bought them a car yeah, on right. Christmas Day with a massive red bow on yeah, the roof. Yeah, you know
0: how I feel about these ads. It's <laughs> always some super modern house. In these
1: TV ads and no one's ever done it.
0: It's oh yeah, no, <laughs> right. Well, because who can afford to do this? No
1: normal person. You can just
0: go buy a $40,000 car and put it into the driveway. Wouldn't
1: you be furious if your spouse made such a financial decision without consulting you?
0: Yeah, well, I, I guess the people in these ads, its they're <laughs> supposed to be multimillionaires for whom this would not matter. I I guess
1: it's aspirational. But this
0: the Peloton thing <laughs> brings me to my, just go look it up for yourself because I can't quite do it justice. But there's a guy named Clue Haywood who last year did a, the, a thread uh, on Twitter about the Peloton commercials. And his first tweet in the thread is, love putting my Peloton bike in the most striking area of my ultra modern $3 million house. <laughs> and he goes through the pictures of, the Peloton bike is always on some
1: Yeah. Structure with- They're gorgeous photographs.
0: Surround windows. These
1: ridiculous homes. Yeah, I had my carpenter build
0: a $9,000 finished wood riser (laughs) for my Peloton bike in my glass enclosed (laughs) Zen garden home gym. I put my Peloton bike in the center of the panoramic living room window in my New York penthouse. When we visited my parents for Christmas, I had to put my Peloton bike right in the living room. They didn't have a home gym or a conservatory or anything. Ugh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is. It's it's aspirational advertising. Yes, it is. I guess. But it, but that, you're going to be thin, and your home will look right. like this. That
0: ad in particular, though,
1: yeah. yesterday.
0: I understand the Pretty aspirational funny. advertising. You and I have discussed that before. Yeah. But but that ad of her looking into the camera and thanking her husband, <laughs> "You changed my life with this gift." Oh, Okay. Well, so I I, I should cancel funny. the subscription. <laughs> I
1: think Kenny you Craig. should not. Okay. Get Kenny Craig, won't no. I not do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, I remember when people kind of teasing and laughing about Governor Michael Dukakis because he confessed that he had bought Kitty appliances during the presidential campaign. What As appliances kids, did he get her? Like a bread maker. Like, <laughs> were like, oh, how romantic.
0: <laughs> you know what? If Maybe, she, maybe Kitty asked for that. Like That's Malia has asked me for People certain, like, you know, for, very functional gifts. Yeah,
1: I will ask for like, you know, I confess, like Lululemon exercise wear, yeah, and what have you? Because it's right. a little pricey. I just don't. Yeah, and that way I you know, buy that you, on my own. It's but a for gift. Christmas, it's a nice gift. Yeah,
0: there you go. Okay. So <laughs> well, there only If have I everyone, ask for it, Bill. Peloton and a Lululemon <laughs> for uh, <laughs> no, for no. your spouse. For, That'll
1: be for me for
0: Christmas. And um, good luck with the holiday gift giving stress.
1: All right, you too. To all you Let's all there. relax. Don't buy a gift if you don't really want to give. The person the yeah, gift, right? Yeah. I don't need Tell another. Tell screw you!
0: I don't even like you that. <laughs> much.
1: No, I just like spending a holiday moment with, with you. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> uh, we're getting the wrap. All right, and here we go. Next year, next week, I should next say, week. John Keller will be back.
1: John Keller will be back. We will be discussing mid-December things yes we've got the holidays in full swing by we then do. this podcast is available everywhere tell all your friends subscribe and share the twitter handle is at studio bz pod i'm at paula evan
0: i am at liam wbz john is at keller at large mm-hmm. send us uh, a tweet so you can send us an email you can uh, send a tweet right to the studio bz pod handle and smash that subscribe button That's and hey, right. give us
1: five stars give us review us because you know what
0: that's your Christmas gift to us. That's
1: right. No That's more, all you need to do. No more stress
0: after that. Just That's boom, the, only the gift five we stars, need. and
1: we're good to go. And we'll be, be seeing, seeing you. And you. Is your wife's name Liam Martin? Yes. Leah Can you believe R. that? Martin. Leah R. Martin. Liam.
0: Liam R. Martin.
1: <laughs> and hers is spelled
0: Liam. L-I-A, not L-E-A-H, because it's the Jewish.
1: <laughs> Liam and Leah. Leah.